left, right, left, right, left, marching, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching, marching. What's going on, everybody? I am Timothy Lawson, host of Fuel for Warriors. This is a show where I talk to military veterans, athletes, and anybody else that resonates or identifies with the idea of being a warrior. Last week, I had Christopher Evanson on the show. Chris is a Coast Guard veteran, and we talked about how the Coast Guard embraces the idea of being a warrior and how that fits into the Coast Guard culture. Well, in that same line, I wanted to talk to uh, someone who is in a branch of service that is more uh, closely associated with with the idea of being a warrior, uh, like the Army or the Marine Corps. And so I've decided to bring on my friend Derek Rowe, uh, who I met in the Marine Corps and happened to do uh, another podcast with called Tim and Derek Do What They Want. And, you know, Derek was a, uh, you know, the first time I met him, he introduced himself and uh, he was like, by the way, I'm weird. Uh, And so as someone who is who doesn't fit maybe the physical stereotype or the traditional mindset, uh, you know, he's he's kind of nerdy and whatnot. Uh, I wanted to see how he felt about the idea of being a warrior and how maybe those ideas were projected onto him or maybe how he embraced them, what have you. So uh, first we'll hear a couple words from Carl Churchill, the founder of Lock and Load Java, who are the collaborators uh, of this show. Uh, And then we'll get into my interview with Derek. So thank you for listening and be sure to check out LockandLoadJava.com as well as LostEntertainment.com for more material. Thank you. Hey, Warriors, this is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today. And when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockandLoadJava.com and use the coupon code FUELFORWARRIORS to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. What's going on, everybody? I am Timothy Lawson, and I'm here with Derek Tyler Rowe, my guest for this week on Fuel for Warriors. Derek is, uh, is a friend of mine. We do uh, we do a show together called Tim and Derek Do What They Want. And last week, Derek, I had a, a Coast Guard veteran on the show, and we talked about the 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 concept of being a warrior inside of the coast guard like what you know i think we look at military veterans in general as holding the warrior ethos but the coast guard is sort of the forgotten branch occasionally and i was i was curious to know like if they still embrace the the idea of being a warrior and if that was a part of their culture okay well what i want to talk to you about is you know when you and i first met one of the first things you said to me is, look, I'm weird. Right. <laughs> and and you were definitely a non-traditional Marine in the sense of the way you, you know, just your, the way you look, the way you, you, you act and stuff like that. Um, you know, you didn't really meet the stereotypical look and behavior of a Marine. And I think that Marines and like Army infantry are sort of the pinnacle of what people consider to be warriors, at least in the military community. So what I want to know is, as someone who identifies as being nerdy, as someone who does not embrace some of the other values that uh, that maybe traditional warriors and Marines did, did you still resonate with the idea of being a warrior, and what did that mean to you? 
So before we answer those two questions in depth, let's start with what uh, I like to set the conversation off with is when you hear the word warrior, what comes to mind and what does that mean to you? A warrior. Well, by the way, Tim just asked me to be on this podcast about an hour ago and I (laughs) I don't know what he's about to ask me. So I'm going to go completely off the cuff. Um, A warrior to me is somebody who was willing to fight for for something, whether it's a cause, whether it's for their friends or their family, and whether that's through physical combat or through other means, whether it be through writing or communication, there's different ways that you can you can fight for on, on somebody's behalf. Um I mean you can also fight for yourself. You know, there's plenty of people that fight for money and everything like that, but a warrior is somebody who who takes on their the majority of their energy and time, which in the case in you know if you're in the Coast Guard or Marine Corps or whatever branch of service, it is spent in the activities of uh, defending the interests of hopefully the people that you care about, um, because sometimes you know you may called be called to do something that you may not sometimes, but um, you signed up to protect the Constitution in our case. So we sort of explicitly were, were wanting and attempting to defend those those inalienable rights that we hold so dear, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So then let's talk about when you entered the Marine Corps in that first, um, you know, those first few months of boot camp and combat training and stuff like that. This is clearly when... Um, when you are faced with this, uh, this culture, the hardest, right? Um, you know, did you, did you feel like you, did you feel like you fit in with that idea? Um, clearly you fit in, you know, in the idea that you're, you're on your way to become a Marine and that's something you, that is, this is a commonality between you and everybody else that's around you. But with that, again, that stereotypical idea of a Marine and sort of the ideal, uh, infantry, infantrymen, and stuff like that. Was it something you still felt connected to? When I got into boot camp, I honestly, nobody had told me anything. I joined um, when I signed up for boot camp. I didn't have like some family member or friend that had been a marine pre- uh, previously. So when I went in, I went in completely and utterly blind as to the culture, the training, all I knew was, you know, basically what the media would tell me through whether it be through movies or, you know, oh wow, the Marines, they're really awesome, you know, that that sort of thing. You knew that the Marines were the coolest. Yeah. Right. So you ex- you expected to uh climb a mountain and fight a fire dragon. Oh, definitely. I was like, where are yeah. the fire dragons? Where where is my sword? Um and but it was funny cuz the one thing that I actually thought of in the middle of all of it, like my it wasn't even a complaint. It was just like my, huh, you know, like, I didn't expect this, was, why is there so much yelling? <laughs> you know, you know, I'm just, like, I'm yelled at all day. I'm not mad at it. I'm not, like, supporting it. But there is just a lot of yelling involved in all of this. And so that kind of took me off guard. And what I did notice, uh, I didn't know what the Marine Corps wanted at first, like in terms of their their culture, I noticed that half the recruits that were in my platoon, anyway, their their parents were in the Marine Corps. So to them, and we would talk about this, of course, you know, in our the little free time that we did have, 
that you know all of this is just like being at the being at the house again because their parents raised them in a similar environment not like you know obviously is you know harsh but with that whole mindset of have a disciplined you know uh mentality you have a structure to your day you know you're going to train physically and mentally and you know you're going to keep yourself on point and you know if you screw up there are consequences you know you're going to be disciplined accordingly that that whole thing so to them, they're very uh, – I noticed that those recruits fit in very well. I was more like, this is all weird. You know, it was very foreign to me. Yeah. Um, they talked about uh, – what I really liked the, about – they talked about honor, honor, courage, and commitment a lot. And I'm like, man, this is cool. If this is, this is an organiza- organization I want to be a part of. And then after I got into the Marine Corps, I realized that more often than not, those were just words. Now there's plenty of good leaders and good Marines that held that very dear, you know, um, in terms of maintaining honor, being courageous, being committed to your mission. And some people were just in it for themselves. They could care less about, you know, what was going to, what the end result was. So I was like, oh man, really? You know, it's like, you know, you have a hypocritical leader here and there. You're like, oh, well, that's a letdown. You know, I was hoping that everybody really bought into that because that was pretty cool. So that was another thing that kind of, stuck out to me but but whenever i got into japan was my first duty station and um there there was a there were several nerds there that like we had, we got together we played video games together and um it was a very accepting environment there it was an air wing too so it wasn't like a ground unit that may have right. had a difference on it so but um i was able to fit in quite well and in, in japan and as far as being off or you know, different or, or weird, or not even having the, the same values, because I, I noticed you said that at the very beginning. I don't know if my values were different. If anything, my values aligned more with what I, I thought was expected of a Marine. Maybe not the the typical image of them, but the values, yes. I, I tried to, I, I strived for all of the leadership cr- principles that, you know, we were taught, and I strived for the basic values of honor, courage, and commitment. I was very dedicated to the mission, you know, whatever it was, I, I, whatever, you know, if whoever my authoritative figure above me was, was doing, I was going to follow all, all lawful orders and take pride in doing so. But in that, uh, I don't think that being different was really a problem. It was more of a, I think it was helpful. You know, sometimes you need diversification in a unit that can help it. It can give you different perspectives on things. Um, and I don't want to ramble too on. If you want to direct me to different answers and different questions, <laughs> please, pl- by all means. I'm just going with the flow here. Okay. Well, hey, you're um, you're one that goes on nice little monologues, so mm-hmm. um, I decided to let you keep going as long as you want to. Sure. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe then the the stere- I'm using stereotypes for lack of a better term, but maybe some of the things that are projected on you by people outside the military, and I think this is something that we all suffer from. Um, when we're in the military, we go back home, we go around friends, family, and they project the image that they believe that is a Marine, a soldier, an airman, whatever it may be, and they, it gets projected onto us, and they expect us to behave in the ways that they've seen in the movies or they've seen on the news and stuff like that. Did you experience any of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I think one of the – actually, when I got out of boot camp, uh, I was welcomed back by my my church that I always went to when I was growing up, 
And, of course, everybody is just like, oh, my God, you know, I got the whole hero spiel just for doing what I was doing. And I had just gotten out of, you know, just training and everything. And one of the things that was very striking, because I have a very insightful friend of mine, John Linkus, and it was funny, one of the things he came up to me and said, basic, almost satirically, was just, he came up to me, nudged me on the shoulder, and whispered, he's like, God's on your side. You know, and it's just like, but he was joking about how, you know, that that was basically the perception of everybody there that was just saying, we're so proud of you. And now, not only that, we truly believe that God is on your side because you're fighting in the United States military. Right. You know, that was a perception that my church had, you know, and I think that's a perception that a lot of churches have because they really, you know, that, that demographic really supports uh, the troops everything like that. So that was definitely something I noticed that I was suddenly given so much more um uplifting energy by that demographic because of that that label that I had taken on. Yeah. Um, for better or worse, you know, it, it's just what they believe and that and that was that was cool of, you know, for in in that context for them to support me. So I did notice that. Um I think all my friends knew exactly who I was. I was still Derek. Um I didn't change at all after boot camp, you know. Um and I think, if anything, after the Marine Corps, it took me a while to get my energy back because of the MSG program. Um, you know, got me a little sleep-deprived there for a little bit. But other than that, I think my personality maintained the same, and I was able to add uh, to my little toolbox. I, I learned a lot of useful skills from the from the Marine Corps because I had a lot yeah. of different experiences. So I mean, let's let's talk about that. I think that um, this is something that I've found that any of my conversations and interviews that I've done across all my uh, all my shows is this is a very valuable insight to get from any veteran. What what uh, disciplines and skill sets and you know what have you are you still using today that you believe that you truly acquired during your service? Well, in Japan, like I said, was my first duty station, and I worked at a headquarters building, and right off the bat, my my leaders understood that I was a little bit better with words than some of the other, you know, Marines that they were getting out of boot camp. You know, most of them were rough around the edges, and which is okay and, and in the office, but when you're trying to pick somebody who's going to be uh, around a colonel and escorting, you know, the brigadier general of your, you know, of your command for the Pacific around, would you rather have? somebody who's not not ha, doesn't have as much finesse with words or does and then they noticed that i you know i didn't like cuss out of the blue you know randomly you know all the time every day all and um so that i was put into a position where not only would i escort and drive generals and colonels around i would actually give classes on proper etiquette uh, eventually that's what what came to be the case and that gave me the opportunity to develop even more tact and discipline to handle delicate situations where um, you have a high-ranking individual and me kind of honing in on what they need and what they want in that circumstance. Um, I was driving a colonel, and uh, or excuse me, he was a Navy captain in Australia, and I had a three-hour drive with him. Um, from an airport to a base that we were going to, and then back from the base to the airport. And it's just me as a Lance Corporal and a Navy captain sitting in a vehicle for six hours together. So don't screw it up, because this guy, <laughs> this guy 
technically, he and he was my commanding officer. He was the CEO of of the headquarter of the unit that I was in. Right. And so this person has a huge amount of sway over what happens to my life. Um, <laughs> you know, and so in that, I'm just like, well, sir, you know, sir, I, I think that you may want to. Would you like to hear Lance Corporal's perspective? What's going on in the in the mission right now? And he was kind of like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. And I told him the best that I could. You know, it, it wasn't long. It was like maybe 60 seconds of just what I'm seeing from my humble perspective. And he was just like, well, thank you for that, Lance Corporal. That's, that's very valuable. I, I like hearing that, you know, that whole thing. But I was – whereas some people will be like, oh, don't overstep your bounds. Never say anything that you shouldn't say. But I right. knew that he would value that because it lets him read between the lines when he's talking to – to everybody else. And I'm just trying to contribute to the overall success of the mission. You know, like I was just saying, hey, the Australians are doing this, by the way. You know, just so you know, whatever, whatever you hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I enjoy doing that. Some people may consider that stepping over the bounds. Some people may consider that contributing in my own unique way. You know, I know there's a bunch of people who'd be like, oh, you're not. Well, but when you're sitting in a, in a, in a car for six hours, I want to be useful for at least 60 seconds. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, I don't want to just have fill it up with dead air or whatever. Cause he's talking to me too. You know, he, he doesn't want dead, dead air either. Um, right. So I think those experiences help me develop a sort of tact and, uh, candor with people that usually would make, you know, make somebody nervous and, yeah. and I could maintain my, my composure and what would normally be a stressful situation. And then I'm not stressed out. You know, it's normal to me. And <clears throat> I think that was something I, I developed very well while in the Marine Corps. Very well. So let's, uh, you know, we don't uh, make this too long. Cause I think we've hit a lot of the, the main points that, that I was interested in, in getting back from you. Cause I think there's a lot of people that enter the military, uh, you know, not fitting the stereotypical mold of, you know, whether it's build or, or mindset or personality, whatever. Um, and I thought that, you know, you're, uh, you'd be a good representation of that. Um, so now, you know, you, you talked about what, you know, at the very beginning, what you thought a warrior was, and what that term means. Uh, did you, did you resonate with the term warrior during your time in the service? And do you still resonate with it now? I do both then and now. Because I think that a warrior, uh, right now, I believe, and this is my personal belief, that you have to be willing to die for what you believe in. And that doesn't mean you have to die for it. That doesn't mean, but I think if you ever really want to have conviction or make a difference in this world, you have to be willing to put your life on the line to make that happen. So you, you put something, you your survival is secondary to another priority, which that's hard. You know, that's hard for a lot of people. But what do warriors do? You know, what is what is it that they're really doing? And a lot of times they're putting their lives on the line and and in order to make a difference. That doesn't mean like for an example, like Dr. Martin Luther King is just an example of I believe in my definition of warrior, he was willing to put his life on the line to make a change. Now if he was scared, if he didn't have the courage to do that, he may have not made nearly much of an impact, but he stayed out there, kept talking, kept doing what he was doing. He eventually was unfortunately killed for that, but he made an impact, you know, because he was willing to put his life on the line for what he believed in. His survival was secondary 
to a different priority. Yeah. So I think that that has not changed for me. Whether you know, I've learned, I've been able to hone it in more over the years of like what I'm willing to to put my life on the line for. But I don't think the idea of the warrior has changed. I think it was honed in the military, but I, but it was definitely introduced to me in part by the by the Marine Corps, and it, it has stuck with me today. Wonderful. Okay, so this, uh, you know, this is fuel for warriors. The whole the whole concept of this show was to find out uh, to bring people that I believe resonate with the the term warrior, whether it's veterans, athletes, or, or or anybody else, and we find out what fuels them. So what challenges they're facing, and then ultimately what inspires them. Uh, and so we're gonna go through those two questions with you, Derek. What challenges are you you know facing in your daily life? We didn't really talk. We didn't really touch much on you know, what it is you're doing currently, because uh, even sometimes as one of your good friends, I have a hard time identifying what you're doing with your with your life anymore. Um, but, you know, still, you know, without, you know, if you want to provide some context, you may. But what challenges are you facing right now? Uh, and then lastly, what's ultimately inspiring you to get out of bed each day and tackle these challenges and, and to move forward in life? So one of my main passions in life, I've definitely found this to be the case for me, and it's taken me a while to put words to it. I truly love understanding others, having other uh, others understand themselves, and getting people to understand each other. I think that's something that I wake up every morning trying to do. And it's delicate because I'm not trying to impose myself on anybody. I'm not trying to get, get into your life and start telling you what to do. But what I'm trying to do is provide a method or mechanism or alternative or insight or perspective to help you with that process because I think there's huge gaps in our own knowledge and understanding of ourselves and how the world works around us that prevent us from living a much better life, you know, that, that we could live on a global scale. So that's, that's basically what I, I love doing that. And I, I see, I have a vision for, for a better world and that's what gets me up in the morning. But the challenges that I face <clears throat> truly are my own uh, misunderstandings and my own ignorance. Yeah. You know, and, and I that's why I try and teach myself as much as I can every day because I literally, like my biggest enemy, not to be cliche, is myself. I trip over myself time and time again. But as I learn more, but that helps, but as I, I understand myself more, that helps me communicate to others better. And, uh, but that is my biggest challenge is, of course, me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um wonderful. Thank you so much, Derek, for, for joining me. I know this was a short notice. I had a um I had a uh, scheduled um you know, I I thought about bringing you on the show before, but I had a, had a schedule um drop on me, so uh, I was like, Hey, what what better time than a present to to bring on Mr. Derek Rowe? Uh, and so it's it's always a pleasure to talk to me, and I, I I cannot stress that enough, both here and on the other programs we do. Tim and Derek do what they want, standard nerds. Um, I really I really enjoy our our conversation and the dialogue that we that we create. It was my pleasure, Timmy. Thank you for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, everybody, everybody warriors. Uh, you can follow Derek on Twitter at Derek Tyler Rowe. He's still trying to figure out how to use the damn thing, but uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow him there. Uh, but he's also part of the Standard Nerds, at Standard Nerds YT. Uh, they're also on iTunes. He's his little work there. And, of course, blogtalkradio.com slash Tim and Derek is the show that, that Derek and I do. 
Thank you for listening to Fuel for Your Warriors. If you haven't if you haven't subscribed in iTunes yet, be sure to do so. Just go to iTunes, search Fuel for Warriors. Boom, that that'll pop up there. I'm Tim, and on behalf of Carl, Lori, and the rest of us here at Lock and Load Java, see you next time. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching.